Ah, another week on the Split Take Podcast. Trailer. Another week that feels like another month on the Split Take Podcast. I don't know about you, but it feels both long and short at the same time. What, the weeks? Yeah, like every time. So every Sunday, my mom and I watch stuff mm-hmm. together. <laughs> oh, cute. And every Sunday rolls around. And like, it was just Sunday, like yesterday. Why are we here again? But then when I'm in the week, I'm like, this is long. So much is happening. Every I don't day. know. What, what, I think this year, specifically, when I'm thinking about all the events that have happened, I think that it's so long ago where typically I the time flies by. But uh, I guess that's technically a good thing that the, the days are longer because that means more life. But at what cost? It means more life. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, no, a week may feel long. Or a week may feel short, mm. you know, but like a month from now, it won't matter. True. This is true. But then the month will feel short and then the next month won't. And then in a year, you know, it just it just keeps going. And you blink and you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's the circle of life. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, you get to blink <laughs> and die. If you're not, you get to shit and die. This is true. While yes. you're going to shit after you die as well. So I I have been most busy this week uh, watching stuff. I have not. Interesting developments in my watching. uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Routines. Okay. Um, So the reason why we actually pushed pushed things back a little bit because you were fixing your microphone and I I was a little late. I actually – so every evening my mom uh, watches PBS and on PBS – at seven has been Downton Abbey. And I, I don't know okay. why, but I've just started watching Downton Abbey with her every night. And do you like it? My my sisters and my mom love that show. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a show for them. Uh, I'm not sure it's a show for me, but I just kind of have gotten into the habit of doing it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. It's more of a bonding thing. Yes, we'll go with that. Um. No, like it, it's 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 interesting because I don't really watch that kind of serialized television at all because mm-hmm. I suppose the only other thing that I watch that's remotely like that is what we do in the shadows because that's also serialized. Um, but everything well, else better I watch call is, Saul. Yeah, but that's that's narrative driven. It has a very specific end no, I, goal. I, I get serialized and mixed up and episodic. I didn't realize Downton Abbey was serialized. Well, you know, it's it's every episode drama happens and then they set up more drama for the next episode and it could theoretically okay. keep going on for eternity. Okay, gotcha. Whereas something like Better Call Saul has a end point somewhere in the future. Well, yes. End point defined at the start. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. It's, it's nice. I've always... Just getting... Like actually watching something every night on TV, having like a schedule set... It's kind of nice, the throwback to when that was, you know, everyone had to wait. Yeah, that that was my whole high school. I waited for Thursday nights because that was the office and parks and recreation. Ah, so you, the only, you watched those when you were. I did. Up. Yes, the I. Yeah, it ended my senior year of high school. The office did. And mm. it, it was pretty much the only night. It, I mean, I used to watch SNL a lot, too, mm. but I was a you know, record it Saturday night, watch it Sunday morning kind of SNL viewer. But Thursday, you know, Parks and Rec, The Office, those 
I watched every week. Yeah, I don't think I was much of a... Like, I didn't really have a set schedule most of the time. I don't know. And then I mentioned last episode, I I didn't have cable until I was, like, 12 years old. So Yeah, okay, that's fair. You know, nature documentaries on PBS, I guess. Well, those are good. They are good. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, you know... You're not regularly tuning into that. Like there's not this week's, those are, week's installment yeah. of those Deserts are, of the World. Those are things that nature documentaries, specifically stuff like Planet Earth, that I loved as a kid and somehow love even more as an adult when you understand the insane depths they had to go to uh, or insane lengths they had to go to get that footage. Well, when you're younger, it's it's just like wonder and curiosity yeah. And when you're older, you're, you know, you're approaching it from a much more like kind of intellectual standpoint, but it's also, I mean, yeah. it's still beautiful to look at and you're oh, it's appreciating incredible. the beauty in a different way. Yeah. So there is so, still wonder there. Yeah. So am I um, to believe that we're both caught up on what we do in the shadows? I have not watched this week's episode. Same. I'm always a week behind. Yeah, same. Just kind of. As a, as a I just just a, just a quick shout out because this show is hilarious. That, I mean, it it's this. I was thinking about it. It's the sim- cinematic equivalent of like a jelly bean. You just there's it's so simple. You just pop one in and you're done. Yeah, but they're enjoyable, right? Like it's not like a full candy bar where like you're taking your time with something. Because oh, yeah. honest to goodness, the episodes go by so quickly. I, I, they're ending before I'm like, wait, we just got. See, started. I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe that, or I don't, you know, I don't feel the same way. It also could be partially due to the fact that you just preferred long form movies, and this is just it's dwarfed it by something be. like War and Peace or an elephant sitting still. Well, Nate, also, I think. Let me say that it was more in the earlier episodes of the season. The last couple, like the Jackie Daytona episode had a Jackie bit more Daytona might be my favorite episode. laid back uh, pacing to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the first couple episodes really flew by. Maybe it's oh, just because yeah. I was so excited just to get back because after the I, first season, I was sold on the show. Yeah, because I, I, I completely forgot about season two until last week and I watched the entirety of season two in a weekend. There are very few shows that get me excited. What We Do in the Shadows, Atlanta, Better Fargo. Call Saul. Far- oh, God, Fargo gets me so hyped. I've been rewatching season two of Fargo. Yeah. Which I thought was my favorite. Season three is my favorite. I thought season three was your favorite. Well, I had to go back just in case. F- season two is one of those things where you see it for the first time and you're like, this is amazing. And the next few times you're like, OK, it isn't. There's not much to read between the lines. Whereas season three, it's just so funny and absurd and dark. I love it. Hmm. Yeah. But what we do in the shadows, highly recommend. I mean, people yeah, should watch the movie. If you love the movie, you'll love the show. Well, plenty of people it haven't is, seen the movie, surprisingly enough, which is a crime yes, in and of itself. It, it really is. And, you know, they're, it's weird because they're so similar tonally, but they're also very different as far as the the, the content, subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I struggle to find which cast I like more because the TV show is uh, there's not a single bad character. I love all of them. Yeah, I think I, I have the nostalgia factor, even though I, I only recently watched the movie. 
But still, yeah. you know, Taika, and there's just something so simple and charming about that film. And That's true. It, I think it'll always be my favorite, although the, the TV show is, is equal in quality, at the very least. It is. And I know, I definitely prefer the movie. It's just the cast that is... Oh, you know. yeah, I think... Obviously, I think we're on in agreement that Colin is the best edition. Colin is hilarious. The most original edition, probably, from the... Yes, and you would think... It's amazing how they have a character that boring be that entertaining. Well, because the joke is that he's so boring. And they yeah, consistently true. nail that joke. Mm-hmm. Because they're... Particularly in the episode where he's trolling and he's going on the internet. Yes. They're just nailing it on the head of, of that kind of behavior. Oh, and uh, when he gets a promotion at his work. Colin's promotion, that's a great episode. Yes. And he's like, and he just, one line that just killed me was him going up into in, a coworker. And he's like, you, do you listen to conservative talk radio? Well, when he was just like, <laughs> TGI Friday. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. And people just pass out. I, think, from- I want to go back and watch season one because between season one and season two is when I binged on cinema at the cinema. And mm. Mark Proach is a is a key is a key character in the on cinema at the cinema universe. Oh, he's a great actor. He's not in much. He really but I, I'd like no, to see him not. more. The Office, What We Do in the Shadows and on cinema is all I know. Mm. And uh, I also am led to believe that you rewatched Uncut Gems recently. Yes, but one one last thing before we move on from what we do in the oh. shadows. I'm curious. Besides Colin, what is who is your favorite character on the uh, the show? I love Laszlo and Nadia, both of them. I love them. Uh, I have to. I'd, I'd agree with you there. I think I I'll narrow it down. Laszlo, I think, is of like the main three vampires. My favorite, just. Yeah, I love funny. Matt Berry. Have you seen any other show that Matt Berry's been? I haven't. He's a great actor, though. He's hilarious. Everything he's in, even if the show is not that great, if Matt Berry's in it, he makes it so much funnier. Yeah, I've been rewatching he- a few clips of some of the episodes, like the one with the the hat, where the hat the return. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the cursed hat. There's just some like line deliveries that he gives. It's just hilarious. Just the- he's just so over the top in English. That's what's uh, so great. Yeah. That's why the Jackie Daytona episode is one of my favorites, <laughs> if not my favorite. When he just rams his car into the wall and he gets out and he's like, I never learned to drive, which is a shame because that thing cost a fortune. And I will never not laugh at him just shouting, Bat! Bat! <laughs> it, it is, it's, I thought it was stupid at first. What we do, here's the one thing that I think the show nails that the movie does too. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's not necessarily funny the first time you watch it. But the no. more you go back and the more you watch it, it just gets funnier and funnier. Once you get to know the characters, their line deliveries get a lot funnier on rewatches. I still laugh every time Nandor goes, fucking guy. And he does it like every episode now. Uh, and then, you know, you go back to the very beginning. He's like, I was Nandor the <laughs> Relentless. I was Relentless. You know, he just keeps repeating it. It's just, it's he, funny. He's it's, like, they gave me that name because I refused to relent. And also, uh, the doll is creepy. <laughs> and, I, and I love that the show is actually, has some pretty genuinely creepy and horrifying moments as well. Which is good, because you, you, you probably... You want to balance that. You forget that it's a vampire thing. Yes. Which is what the movie did so well with um, Peter. <laughs> Peter... 
Detail. Detail was terrifying. Uh, well, this is our full-on endorsement for both the movie and the TV show. The movie's amazing. It's one of my favorites. The if you're TV looking for really light comedy, like you, it's light, it's easy. It's There's fun, it's goofy. Zero barrier to entry. You don't even like ignore that you it's don't a vampire need to watch thing. The movie. Just yeah. watch. There's one payoff to the movie, and it's not even a movie specific payoff. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, I did. I did rewatch Uncut Gems to go back to your question. Yes. Um, it was a much different experience. Much really? Different. Yes. Um, quality wise, it's the same. It's still great. Nothing. Okay. No complaints there. I was not nearly as stressed the second time, though. Well, obviously, yeah. It goes without saying it's going to be less stressful. But is there anything you picked up on filmmaking no, no stress wise? whatsoever, actually. I think wow, it, okay. it, it, it was more of a, the tragedy of the whole thing kind of revealed yes. itself upon a second viewing. Yes. And to go into a quick spoiler discussion. Yes. That's why I think the ending is so amazing, because technically, technically he won. He yeah. won. And if anything, that was the best possible outcome for him because he was killed at his peak, just his peak in general. I don't think he ever would have experienced another gambling high like that one. I think that's what makes the character so tragic. That ending is one of the best, at least of last year, certainly. Um, the one thing that I picked up on that I didn't like, it, it's hard to pick up on the first viewing um, just because you're so nervous. But mm-hmm. when the bet in the beginning of the game, when he bets on, uh, why can't I never remember these things? He bets on the Celtics. Yeah. Bets bets on uh, Kevin Garnett and uh, his brother-in-law and the uh, the guy who's hired to get the money from him. They place a stop on that bet. Yeah. Right. And he wins yeah, yeah. $600,000 or yeah. should have. So yes. everyone would have gone home, ha- home happy if that didn't happen. His failure is not necessarily solely his fault it is it it but it's it, it goes yeah. it's it's one of those things where like if you do nothing sometimes nothing is the correct answer yes no i agree what blows my mind that it's a movie that the more and more i watch it and the more and more i think about it i think it has the potential to go into my tight into my top 40 because what blows my mind about the movie is how seemingly hectic and chaotic the script is but it's also very well crafted as far as mounting tensions and conflicts and interweaving them not all of them i think the frizzy haired weirdos and the money that howard owes them is kind of just comes and goes but the way that they are just able to just pile on all of this tension and conflict and bad decision making and it still it just piles and piles and piles and you just get so unbelievably anxious and it's an amazing release. And then you become insanely anxious again, only in a matter of seconds. Uh, Also, I literally don't think this movie works with any other actor, but Adam Sandler. It's it's his manic presence that makes his manic presence. But at the same time, even in his worst moments, he still has an inherent likability. And the more I talk about it, this is just literally becoming a re-review, even though we did an episode on it. So, well, yeah, but it's also, you know, as an actor, 
well, as a filmmaker, yeah, Adam Sandler is kind of sleazy. Right? He is. So yeah, yeah. It, it's almost uh, like a, a exaggerated version of himself. Uh-huh. Is they're literally playing off of the fact that we like Adam Sandler, but we also know that he's you know making a lot of uh, cash grab movies, which yeah, you know, power to him. Which you know, I also say to to Great Howard, uh, power to you, except you get killed. That's Sorry, true. bud. This is true. So he's a winner. He is, but he's also a he loser. Is. Like probably the the big best definition of like someone who just constantly wins. Like he's not doing, it's not terrible at betting. He's doing a good yeah. job. Well, that that's that's what the Safdie brothers said in an interview about the characters they write in movies. Is they write they prefer characters who are losers that. Or winners, hold on. Winners that lose? Winners that don't win. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So I suppose on my my second viewing, that became a lot more apparent of that aspect of his his character. Because it is a character study, essentially. Just a a very tense character study. And also the technical elements are something worth looking into because um, they had a machine on the camera rig... Um, I forget the name of the machine, but it was in like an autofocus um, thing that they put on the lens. And, you know, there a lot of close up camera work, a lot of free moving stuff like that. Almost documentary like mm-hmm. just the way it was capturing whatever's happening. Just the fact that they had to implement this completely. It's relatively new technology, um, but I mean, it's flawless. There's not a second where the actors are out of focus, despite the insane um, movements throughout. Are you trying to tell me that focus pullers are going to be out of a job soon? Well, I don't. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, that's there. There are certain things that yeah. technology is going to catch up and it's going to be better yeah. than people when it comes to filmmaking. Like editors. <laughs> Nick's out of a job. <laughs> I, I I personally put my films through Windows uh, Movie Maker Auto Movie. Oh, is is that? That's a thing. That, It'd be interesting. You put it through auto movie and then you, you compare it with the other one and then yeah, yeah you make additions. Which would be an amazing segue into our film, but we have another film in front of that film. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see what auto movie did with greed. <laughs> That's the, they, they use that. I mean, didn't they do I mean, that? Uh, well. It's a, essentially the same thing. That's a that's a discussion for another time, and by another yes. time I mean in twenty minutes. So in twenty minutes before. So should should we get into the first movie then? Let's talk about our first movie. Our first movie is, uh, you know, our first planned um, movie. I should say our first planned of, movie. Yes, is a is a film from twenty eighteen called Blind Spotting. Uh, it has. Oh God, I forgot the actor's name. Hold on. He's an amazing actor. Let me just say uh, Hamilton star. What is his name? David Diggs. Oh, he's in Hamilton. It, yeah, I didn't know that. Yes, that that's where his his main draws from. Blind Spotting is a 2018 film directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada, starring David Diggs and uh, Rafael Casal. I don't know. If that's how you pronounce his name. Who? This is the second movie he's been featured in on the podcast. What else has he done? He was um, he was the the waiter oh, in Las in Vegas. Education. That he, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I recognize him now. Which when I saw him in that, I was like, oh, it's him. But yes, because he's amazing in this movie. 
It's a very um, different role. A very different role. So yeah, it's a movie from 2018 that I feel has gone decently under the radar. I don't think a lot of people are talking about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I which I heard a lot about it when it okay. came out, and then it just kind of dis. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that when it came out, everybody was talking about it, and um, it it definitely had a lot of steam around. It was released in the summer. Yeah, summer around the, it came out, but. Um, you know, was, when you go into award season, the conversation just completely dropped. Um, and I didn't check it out until a year later. I saw it on sale at Target for like five bucks. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, people like this movie. I'll check it out. And wow, I, I, I was wowed. And obviously the reason we chose this movie is uh, considering the the protests going on nationwide at the moment. I figured present circumstances based around joy. Yes. George yes. Floyd's death. And, yes. And, such. and I and I do feel this is an important movie regarding that. Yes. And, uh, yes. Um, God, especially the ending. I mean, this I it's it's hard to t- it's not movies like this. I don't want to say are like. You know, uh, ahead of their time or predictive because these are issues that persist, have been happening for a long time. But this movie in particular. Feels very relevant to the current political climate. So I thought, yeah, I think saying it's relevant is better than saying it's predictive. Uh, Yes. Yes. Cause right. Cause it is, this is an, it's not predictive. It's reflective and it is very relevant, unfortunately to the current situation. Yeah. Which is why we picked it. So So, yeah, it's just a movie. Yes. It's just a movie about a guy who's on his last three days of probation after, um, an, a robbery, I think. Mm hmm. Yes, a robbery that he... Uh, oh, no. No, no, no. What was it? Oh, no, no, no. That's right. Not a robbery. Duh. Technically uh, a spoiler. Sucks. My bad. Yeah, okay. But. Well, yes. Um, yeah, it's about a guy uh, living in Oakland, California, which is a very big part of the movie. It's very much a, a place movie. Um, who's on his last three days of probation following an assault that took place the year before. And uh, it's a little slice of life, high energy, um, race uh, infused movie. What'd you think? Yeah, about I it? this was great, honestly. And I think what was really great about it is that it, it traffics in really heavy stuff, mm-hmm. but it's an incredibly light movie. It is 95 minutes long. It great pacing, it just kind of flies by. Oh yeah. And there's not all that much that happens. I mean, it's it really just, isn't. You're just hanging out with the uh Colin and Miles, the two characters for most of it. And they're funny and both uh, there's a great funny, chemistry there. And great chemistry. There's it gets surprisingly poignant at the end. Oh yes, and it's but it it never for for a subject matter that is you know the the um, police brutality against black people in this country. It's that's a heavy subject right there. And oh yeah, the fact that this film is it's a comedy. It's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some very serious and very um, important moments in it like i said yeah but, but it know, never it, it's never become solely about that yeah which is why i think that it's good it, it's easy to recommend you know mm-hmm. especially in, in this time that you know there are other films like 12 years a slave or selma yes or you know that are heavy heavy films dramas about this subject matter and about the past but this is a, a very modern and extremely mm-hmm. modern like it's it's a 21st century movie through and through. Yeah. And it's cool. It's hip down with the kids. <laughs> it's got, it's got a very, I don't want to say 
it's not super similar, but it does feel like an early Spike Lee movie and just the energy that it has. Yes, but better. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say it. Well, because it's very similar structurally to do the right thing. In that it's it's a movie about a few characters where nothing happens until everything happens. Um, But what I appreciate most about this movie is that, yes, it is movie, I think, at its core about police brutality. But it interweaves all these very, very poignant African-American issues all at once. You have issues of identity, especially with the stuff with Colin and um, shit, I forget his name. Miles, Miles, Colin Miles. Yes, their confrontation towards the end. You have the police brutality angle that, you know, sort of bookends the film. And you also have. A huge issue, which I feel like more uh, movies should explore, is the the gentrification issue, um, which especially in California is becoming, you know. um, Well, I mean, we watched earlier a little while back, we talked about the last black man in San Francisco in our decade discussion or our year review. And that one, I mean, we're talking about gentrification. San Francisco is probably like number one city in the country Mm -hmm. that you, you can look to gentrification. And then Oakland. Oakland has this very kind of rough reputation mm-hmm. and even there it's starting to get more and more gentrified because of yeah. Silicon Valley and stuff like that. Well, yeah, this, this it's funny because uh, when I initially saw the last black man in San Francisco, I thought, okay, this is blind spotting's quiet little brother. Cause they're both very similar in, mm-hmm. as far as structure and, um, uh, uh, general plot goes but blind spotting is a lot more in your face it's a lot more high energy it's a lot less reflective of blast black man uh thinks and blind spotting talks yeah i would say that last black man is a film about gentrification like that's, yeah, that's a the, central yeah. i yeah. Uh, subject matter blind spotting is that's a background element and yes. it's much more about the i mean it's in the title it's it's about you know the perception of you know what do you do particularly police officers what do Mm -hmm. they do when they see a black black person what do they think oh yeah what is the instant like gut uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for assumption that people Mm -hmm. make when they see someone of another race and the film kind of tears that down i mean that's the i guess the point of a lot of these movies of yeah exposing the uh hypocrisy or the idiocy of those kinds of barriers and Mm -hmm. i think that's why i the reason why i think this movie works as well as it does is because you have colin of course who you know is the main character but you have miles and his because he has a journey too through the film and Mm -hmm. his not necessarily eh, maybe appropriation of that kind of culture of trying to fit in with his friend and with kind of the the city of Oakland around him. Mm-hmm. And that was all very interesting and said probably just as much about everyone, all of us yeah, around black people who have to live with this kind of stuff as it does. You know, with yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's why their, their final like confrontation is especially powerful. I just want to also point out that this is this guy's directorial debut which I think is pretty damn impressive. It's there's a lot of similarities between this and Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is also a uh, directorial debut, yeah. right? And they're both very unique, very um, 
there's a directorial voice that comes through yes. very strongly in in both those films, particularly, you know, in this film, there's, it's not taking the easy, it's not taking traditional routes in editing or in sound design yes. or in anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taking risks. It's doing, it's having fun with the, the elements of cinema itself. And that, yeah. that's also a lot why I, I appreciated it. I especially love the intro of blind spotting where it's, just a bunch of stock footage of Oakland sort of juxtaposing each other. That was, I was um, sold. I, yes. Like I have to say like, watch the first 30 seconds of this film and you'll be sold. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's opera. It, it tells I you everything. The marriage of Figaro, I think was the, uh, yeah. the opera in, in particular over images, split screen images of Oakland. And I was just like, this is great. You've, you've, uh, I'm with the movie a hundred percent from here. But, you know, I think a huge part of why this works is because it tackles this heavy subject matter. But it's except in the rare, like super climactic moments, it is consistently funny. Like one scene in particular is the scene where we sort of learn what put Colin in jail. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine I can imagine so many ways where that scene would have just been annoying but that scene is genuinely hilarious just because there's so many different elements. One part d- that always makes me laugh is the fact that the guy telling the story has like 60 different like white actor names or white guy names. That always makes me laugh. Calls him toe for grace. <laughs> it it's the, the other thing I found interesting and it's not necessarily a spoiler is that in the very beginning, the title of the film is on a theater marquee. Yes. Which yes. kind of goes into like the theatricality of that. And also the um, with Miles, how he's often rapping verse, just regular lines. And then at the yeah, very yeah. end that uh, um, Colin does it too. And yeah, just kind of the film points out the theatricality of that, that there is this kind of artifice to the whole thing. And it's having mm-hmm. fun with it all. And it is very much a film. And I find it very interesting that the fact that it is like, it's completely like fabricated the whole thing. Oh yeah. That this kind of stuff, the, the climax itself never would happen in a million years. Um, and yet it doesn't matter because it's, oh, yeah. it's more about the, the, the principle of the thing. It's about what is trying to express, give a voice to the kind of angst and the, the issues that, have for so long been ignored. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of uh, surreal scenes. Yes. Um, I mean, they're obviously dream sequences, but I do think they they do a pretty good job, at, you know, more creatively, I guess, expressing. Well, good visuals, good audio, putting that oh, together. Yeah. And there's a dolly uh, zoom at one point. So, oh, yeah. Yes, I, I forgot about the dolly zoom. Uh, should we go into spoilers? Because I think the climax is definitely worth talking about. Yeah. So, uh, this is a recommendation from both of us. I mean, it's Hard on Amazon yes. Prime. Uh, no, it's not. It's on Hulu. It's, it's on, on HBO. HBO, which is on yeah, Hulu. It's currently on HBO. Yeah. I get uh, I get them all confused. <laughs> so so yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, this climax is amazing. And I it's I had to watch unique. it again before it really f- hit me like the, the the content of it because it, it yes. kind of streams by you it's so quickly with what he's yeah. saying well because you think that the climax is going to be uh colin and miles fight which is a climax to a different side of the story 
but this I don't even know if I want to call this the climax. It's sort of like the the last hurrah because the, the movie ends pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they but, drive away, essentially. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, that. Oh, my God. So not only is it a very unique it, it it's unique overall, but it very much um, fits in with this sort of fantastical reality that the, the film sets up beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also God, it, it <laughs> that is an insane verse. <laughs> it, like really great writing on all the verses in the film. Just this, I, I was listening to yeah, it the but, second time, and you and you start to you really follow along with what what's being said. Yeah, and, like it's powerful stuff, but it, it just flows it's by powerful you. stuff. But I feel like typically in in movies where you have a character that raps, you know. You, you can tell that the writer isn't necessarily, you know, into rap or anything or hip hop. Yes. They just kind of want to capture that. Um, and that was not energy. the case here. No. Which, you know, the first few times that he uh, raps a bit, you know, you can see, oh, it's a little amateurish. It's sort of it's very freestyle and, you know, just uh, whatever's on your mind. This the final one is just so damn clever it's so powerful. It sums up so much of what you've seen in the movie before. And I honestly, you got to like, you got to watch it with subtitles or you just got to focus on nothing but the words because it's insane. Yeah, it's so you said that earlier in the film, they try they're doing some rapping and it's a bit more amateurish. Yeah. And it's almost like kind of selling rap itself that rap is a very emotional medium of music and that there's meaning to it and that a lot of people disregard that. Yeah. And that the very nature of this kind of narrative is that in the beginning, they're just kind of joking around and doing that. But when it gets really good, it's because you're emotionally invested in it. It sounds good, but it's also has meaning to it. It's kind of a little arc there in the, in the very poetry of, of that. Uh, one other thing is that this movie like like we said it nothing really happens but a lot happens mm-hmm. but th- the turns that it takes in particular when the kid pulls the gun it's a Oof. moment that sort of comes out of nowhere but also it's very much set up where it's just crazy to me that we can have a just a quick little funny scene about oh he's in a small little t-shirt ha uh, 5 seconds later it is life or death <laughs> Very, very tense. I, I, I think that unpredictability is even because, you know, this is my second time seeing it. I saw it like a year or two ago and I forgot about that part. And that's the part where I was like, oh, shit, is there other stuff I didn't remember? Um, hmm. they, they do a great job at structuring conflict in this relatively conflictless story. For me, I honestly, the the scene, they have their fight after that. Um, well, they go to the party. Wow, a lot happens. Um, yes. So Colin and Miles have their fight and they both go home and there's this great parallelism that happens after that of the scene. They both have scenes with their girlfriends. Yeah. And both of those, I thought that was like the emotional climax for me of the film the first time before I rewatched the the climax before. But just those two conversations, particularly Miles' conversation with his girlfriend yeah. and the the use of the, the N-word and I have no idea what the oh, film yeah. is necessarily saying about that. Yeah. But it was it 
it, it felt genuine. It felt like it, there was something important there that I was not able to quite grasp on this first viewing. Well, the 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 thing is that I I feel the the same way about this again about Last Black Man where th- they're posing a lot of questions with not a lot of answers. Um, it's sort of like they're kind of venting in film mm-hmm. form. Uh, one thing that I still not I don't understand all that well is that obviously that they they set up this issue of gentrification to be obviously a negative connotation with the city. But part of me, I, I feel like they're also sort of accepting it. I think uh, one thing that uh, bugs me is that they're accepting of the, the green juice, you know, the thing that Colin tries at the beginning and then Miles tries later, which that green juice to me is so symbolic of the kind of gentrification that's going on. Because, you know, it's a health craze type drink that well, there's a lot suddenly... of like hipster healthy yeah, stuff that goes on yeah. the, like the burger joint that sells yeah, vegan yeah, burger quick. i found that yep. so hilarious when they're like you have to ask for a meat patty <laughs> yeah 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 but because you know the burger is a good example because it's something that's constantly denied because when it shows up later at the hipster party you know he refuses it he gets mad about it but then he accepts the juice so uh, part of me is like okay is this them sort of rolling with the punches of gentrification or i don't know but it's not one of those things where because again i like how relatively um unexplained the ending is or unresolved because you know we don't get to know what happens with miles and his girlfriend uh we don't necessarily get to know what happens with the fallout of the party but it says everything that it needs to say and it it poses a lot of the answers to its own questions yeah the thing with gentrification if this has little to do with the movie and it's more just about the, the political reality of that situation yeah. is it's so hard to stop gentrification it really is it's because it's it's a a long-term peaceful lawful process of just rich people are starting to move into an area and they're doing so because they can afford it and they're making it nicer and the property value goes up and that's just the way the economy works and it's so hard to do something about that and you know it at times i feel like it's like either accept it or you don't but at the same time there has to be some kind of solution because it particularly in a place like San Francisco where in the whole Bay area in general, it's just like prices are going up and up and up and it's, where's it end? Even something like Tempe, Tempe is crazy gentrified. I don't know if you've been recently. I still, it still blows my mind that I was able to rent a house in Tempe. Yeah. (laughs) That close to the university like that. It's (laughs) the prices are going up and up. Oh yeah. Again, not to sound like a boomer. But I remember when I was in college, which, you know, I only graduated in 2017. When I was in college, like my freshman year, there wasn't any of the the super high luxury apartments like by the In-N-Out Burger or or um, like where that Dutch Bros is on like Lemon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's so many luxury, like literally none of them were there only four or five years ago. They are building like new ones every other month something is being started i i went there like two weeks ago and there was three different buildings i just didn't recognize that area by mill avenue just it's a skyline now it tempe is as far as i'm aware it's the biggest little city that ever lived yeah like it's a big city it has a skyline it has a downtown now oh yeah essentially which this this is it's it's something that I feel very passionately about is gentrification um, and not a lot of movies. More and more movies are talking about it. But whenever I see a movie like about that, I'm like, OK, let me go watch this. 
And yeah, this is one of the best uh, as far as that goes. And I mean, in uh, a perfect world, I'm sure we're all like, let's let's have it gentrified and still be affordable for everyone. Yeah. Oh, because it's a double edged sword, because, yes, the the property value goes up and the rent's crazy expensive, but also it cleans up a lot because there's some shitty parts of Tempe that I'm glad are gone. But yeah, I mean, cleaning up the city. Yes. Uh, at at the price of forcing people out of their homes and people can't afford things anymore, not so much. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a lot, and the thing. So to get back on topic on blind spotting, <laughs> one of the things I really enjoyed about the film was its visual storytelling. Yes. And we talked about that a little bit, but the thing that I noticed in particular was that in the very beginning, he starts the film by looking direct. The first time we see Colin, when he's in the. Um, the jail or probation the court, hearing court. yeah with the, the the judge he's he's looking directly into the camera almost setting up the film as, as a direct address to the audience and then even more importantly the very end in during the climax the main shot of that is he's looking directly at the camera mm-hmm. during that it cuts to side angles here and there yeah yeah but for i think when he really gets going in that you don't cut yeah. to the cop. It's just him looking, you know, and it putting the the audience in the place of the cop as like you are being addressed with this this, yeah, yeah. this monologue. This verse monologue in verse. Which, I'll call yeah. it a verse. Yeah. The it, it well, it's both, but yeah. Uh, the the point is is that well, I suppose the point is obvious that, you know addressing to us that we're supposed to we're the subject of that very very nice i appreciated that little touch of yeah, a lot of visual storytelling um overall great camera work uh i think that there are a few scenes that i think don't necessarily have the same energy or coordination um specifically i felt the the climax between miles and colin just kind of they just put a camera there and let him act. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it it you can it's very impressive for a de- directorial debut, but you can also at times tell it's a directorial debut because they do have the high energy, the the constant camera movements and the you know um, uh, simple but effective sh- uh, setup shots. But then there's a, a few scenes that just sort of you can tell maybe it was later in the production where they sort of lost that initial spark when you get into the beginning of the filming. Well, yeah, it also were, feels like there's you know a lot of budget at some parts and little budget yeah, at some parts. Yeah, part of that could be do- towards the budget. Yeah, and no, it might not even be the budget. It might it, like that's what it feels like. The shots feel less polished. Mm-hmm. And as a result, because I, I like tuned into that, it's like, oh, this doesn't look as nice as before. Maybe it's because it's a directorial debut. Yes. Like that was but again, the kind as of, far the as directorial debuts go, like it's damn it's an A plus effort oh, as yeah. far as directorial debut. And one last thing I wanted to touch on was I love both of these actors. They're so good in this. They both the did a great job. The guy plays Miles. Again, I've seen two things from him and completely different characters. Great, great job. And Miles it, is, the movie wouldn't work, I don't think. No, it wouldn't. Miles in particular, I think, was was just amazing. Uh David Diggs, also incredible. I love the again, a lot a huge part of this is the the racial identity. Um, where 
<laughs> it's a huge part of the uh, the movie where this guy just sort of is associated with Miles. Where you know uh, all of the negative stereotypes about Colin are what Miles is preaching, and I think that it's a very interesting dynamic to look mm-hmm. on on the surface. Um, and the more and more I think about it, I I just find the their relationship just fascinating. But never feels like constructed. No, yeah, there no, is it, a great it feels chemistry real. there. It feels yeah. you're, you're with them. Well, because typically when I see movies where you have you know um, uh, a white actor trying to portray a more like African American type culture, you know, it comes off as just painful. But yeah, it can it can come off as you know either the writer or the director or the actor doesn't know what they're doing. It, well, it can come off just, as borderline offensive. Yeah, yeah. For me, it usually just comes off as idiotic. Yeah. But with Miles, you could tell that it's very much he's a product of his environment very much. And I don't think the actor ever lets it sink down to that level. It's it's a good movie. I look forward to watching it again. Same. Well, yeah, I'll definitely watch it again. So hard to recommend for both of us. Yeah. Currently on HBO streaming. If you have Hulu or HBO, give it a watch. Nice and short. 95 Very relevant. Yeah. We might put together a little list of sort of uh, relevant racial movies. I think about doing that. So hmm. yeah, we'll see.